You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 8 of GamerNodes vs. Node podcast. My name is Eddie Inzotto, your host and website director, and I'm here with Jason Finelli. How are you, Jason? Doing well. Excited today? Yeah, always. Awesome. And Kyle Stalick, freelance writer, teacher at the Institute of Production and Recording, and a highly opinionated contributor to (laughs) GamerNode.com. Everyone's got opinions. Why do I got to be a single bell for my opinions? Because you're louder. Okay, I am. Oh, and also League of Legends addict. Hey, future <laughs> pro League of Legends gamer, hopefully. <laughs> so what's up, guys? What have you guys been playing lately besides League of Legends? Well, um, let's see. Like a week and a half ago, I beat Wolfenstein in like one sitting. That was pretty, uh, pretty fucking boring. It's just a silly, it's, it's a silly game. I mean, you know, you expect, you know, Activision to, uh, or I guess Ed to kind of step it up a little bit and, you know, tell a better story or, you know, do a different game than what they've been doing with Wolfenstein all throughout the years. But no, that's the same fucking thing. You just run through a lot of corridors and shoot a lot of zombies and then, well, I guess not zombies, occult members from the, Nazi regime, I guess. I don't know. They're zombies, basically. Um, besides that, uh, you know, a little bit of Street Fighter here and there all the time. A little bit of Blaze Blue, which nice. I'm kind of kind of done with that now. Because I don't know if you've seen the videos online that I've posted, but uh, you can get like combos in that game that basically take away three fourths of your health, and it's not a fighting game to me. That's just like someone playing with themselves. So. Uh, electronic masturbation? Basically. I mean, really, how's it, like, countering and all that? Like, I'm a virtual Fighter player, but then, you know, I get on the Blaze Blue, and it's like I get online, and someone does a combo that's, like, over half my health. And it's just like that they were playing with themselves for a little while. It's like, yeah, look what I mastered for hours by myself, you know? Not, It's not as good as virtual Fighter. Let's just leave it at that. Gotcha. How about you, Jason? What are you playing? Uh, last night, actually, last night I beat the story mode of the Beatles Rock Band. I absolutely love that game. I didn't even know about the hidden like video clips, like the rehearsal footage from the Ed Sullivan Show and the audio from the 1963 Beatles Christmas album that only fans of the UK fan club got. Um, very, very well done as far as their history. The game itself is classic rock band, and they... I play on hard. I'm not quite an expert yet, but the, the hard track, I guess you would call it, is pretty much dead on. It did a really good job of taking every single note for every instrument and making sure that it was as accurate as possible. I really like how much – it seems like they put a lot of time into it. And with that kind of game, you kind of have to. I hope so. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. 
Other than that, Scribblenauts. Woo. Scribblenauts is taking up all of my time. Later on, I'm going to see who would win in a fight between the Hydra and a Ninja Shark. <laughs> and then after that, to release some stress, I'm going to teleport myself to the fifth cell employee office and stab everyone because you could do that. Um, fifth cell, if you're listening, Jason loves you. For you. No, <laughs> not really. It's a fantastic game. Controls are a little eh, but you'll, you'll read that in Eddie's review. Yeah. Um, I think- um, is, is, is the whole like magic of the game just kind of the discovery of new shit that you can do in there? Yes. I would say yes, absolutely. I think the title screen so, is more fun than the actual game. So I saw this uh, list that MTV Multiplayer, like, well, they didn't release it, but they linked to it. It was like, here's every possible word that you can, like, write down in the game. And people are like, oh, finally, you know. But doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of the game? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I haven't even looked at it. I saw the story, but I just, I wasn't interested. But uh, Fifth Cell actually said that the word list is incomplete. Jeremiah Slaxa, the creative director, said that <laughs> that was leaked by a hacker who does not know anything. It's more than that. Is so that a quote? that's a direct quote. Um, I'm, particu- <laughs> I'm particularly interested in the entire Sambo controversy. Oh, yeah. Um, Sambo, at one point in time, was a derogatory word for black people. We have since evolved since then and used other words that I will not say here. Sambo has become, like, the wayside. However, if you type in Sambo in Scribblenauts, a watermelon appears. Right. Apparently, someone remembered this word. But if you go back in your history, Sambo was a watermelon company in New Jersey. Sambo watermelon. So there's, while it seems like it's a racist overtone, I highly doubt that that's what they were going for. Maybe they're just what fans of the. You, go when ahead. you type in honky. Haven't tried it yet. Do it. Uh, I'm a cracker. <laughs> a, crack, a cracker shows up. But... It doesn't go to the selection where it says cracker food or cracker person. <laughs> no. But um, actually, Sambo's a. It's reference to a fig leaf gourd, which looks just like a watermelon. So people are really quick to look for racial issues, I think. I don't know. I think it's silly. I do as well. Uh, I like the fact that you can Twitter through Uncharted 2. I just read that. That seems... That that will just increase the laziness of the gamer anyway. Why would... Why would anyone be Twittering through while they're playing Uncharted 2? That's so ridiculous. I don't know. I can't even... I hate that. I like the idea of, like, an isolated experience. Because isn't that what you kind of do when you're, like, watching a movie? You don't, like, go into a fucking theater and then you're sitting there Twittering the whole goddamn time. Uh Uh-huh. That's true. I don't spend 20 hours a day just letting people know when I'm shitting. <laughs> I, I use it for shameless self promotion. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty yeah. much what it is. I, I used it to try and get a beta key for Mag, but they didn't. I didn't answer fast enough. <laughs> you really want that? <laughs> they, what, what did they write? Does anyone actually want this shit? <laughs> no. No. They can't answer oh. that. Not a Mag oh, fan. Okay. <laughs> Not a Mag fan. <laughs> 
We offer generic gameplay and 80 players, or some stupid number that really is re- irrelevant. He's an uh, angry... I won't get into it too much before <laughs> someone really, like, jumps on, my, jumps on my throat and is like, Oh my god, it's like Call of Duty, but more people! <laughs> it's not Call of Duty, but more people. I, that's like the, the general consensus was not popular. Yes. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> and no single and no campaign mode. Speaking I'm reading of Call of Duty. There's a uh, a new Xbox console coming out, limited edition package, a 250 gig Xbox 360 with Modern Warfare 2 tattooed <gasps> all over it, two wireless controllers, and the regular Modern Warfare 2 game. And the only people that can buy it are the people at Infinity Ward because they're the only people with money these days. <laughs> and yeah, that's probably true. And presumably, everyone who's all into Modern Warfare 2 on the 360 probably have already played it on their regular 360. So why would they need another one? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Call of Duty is not the only game getting a new... Uh, 360 bundle. There are two others. One of them, they well, the, this one, this one I'm reading about now, also includes two wireless controllers and a 250 gig hard drive. But this one has to do with Forza 3, not Modern Warfare 2. It will just be Forza 3 and a plain black 360. The mm-hmm. other one is a 120 gig system with one controller, ODST, Halo 3, and the Reach Beta. Oh, but, yeah. but this one, this one apparently is only for PAL territories. Well, that's unfortunate. Yes. Not that I cared about it anyway. Right. My my elite hasn't had ring yet. Let's cross our fingers. So, um, I'm good for now. I got my launch machine sitting right here. The baby's uh, red ring twice on me. You can't reach. <laughs> drive very well. It takes her a little while to start up and to access all the uh, I think I have like 77 arcade games so I'm like sitting there in the list and all of a sudden two pop up and then like a couple seconds later three more pop up. I'm like ooh but that's not what I wanted to play so like, I just bought Shadow Complex a few weeks ago and I just had to like wait like seven minutes for that game to actually like arrive in the list. Oh man. Jesus. So it looks like Kyle will be buying the Modern Warfare 2 yeah. bundle. <laughs> Don't be that time. shit. Might be time to take your launch system behind the woodshed there, Kyle. She, she's been a good girl, you know. She's got it where it counts. <laughs> she's a nice processor. Yeah. <laughs> she still um, plays games. But it used to be really bad before I uh, red-ringed, actually. It wouldn't read the discs very well, so there'd be, like, a, a, a video clip in the game, and then all of a sudden it would, like, play maybe, like, ten seconds of it. And then you'd hear the disc go, and then stop, and then like the video clip would stop, and then the disc would start up again, and the video clip would resume. <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> it was. So when I got the red ring, I was like, oh, that sucks. Whatever. And I just turned it better. So. Uh, what else is going on? The Wii is getting a price cut. Conf- well, maybe not confirmed, but there was a leak of a Toys R Us ad. Where with the Wii price cut to one hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Um, could have just been Toys R Us clearancing it out because they're just about to go out of business. Oh, true. Uh huh. 
Well, I mean, probably it's, not, but it's effective September 27th specifically. I don't know if that matters, but that's... The day the toys died. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the thing about that is it's not like this week's promotion or anything. It's a week and a half in advance, so I don't know if that adds um, authenticity to it or not, or if it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, it's it's time, I think. If they want to stay ahead of the other two who are now within reach or have surpassed reach of the Wii price, it's time to go down to appeal to those people who are, who are sitting there going, 250 even though it's the lowest, is still high, so I'm going to wait. Um, especially when you can get a pro 360 console, while supplies last, for 250 The same damn price for a vastly superior console as far as hardware is concerned. So they're now thinking to themselves, uh-oh, they caught us. Time to yeah. the price. And they'll still be profiting immensely. Oh, yeah. They've been profiting since day one. But um, I have a feeling one of my favorite games for the beginning of next year will be on that on that Wii system. So hopefully. Uh, let me guess. No more Heroes 2. No. No. no believe, believe it or not, that is not it. Um, um, just tell me. Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which just got a little more interesting. Well, there was a rumor going around that the American version was going to lose a character and gain five more in its place. The rumor is now true. Someone went through the source code of the American website and found JPEG pictures for uh, Yatterman 2 and Joe Azakura from Battle of the Planets on the Tatsunoko side, and then Mega Man Zero and Frank West from Dead Rising. Yes! I've covered wars, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... The fact that Frank West is in it is awesome, and for the people thinking, wow, he's a photojournalist, what could he possibly do in a fighting game? Go play Project Justice and then get back to me. They had a character who was a school journalist, and she used camera flashes to damage her opponents. It is possible. Oh, man. Frank West will get stomped in anything he does. (laughs) He's he's covered wars, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. What a chump. Um, is there anything else any you want to mention? News-wise? Yes, sir. Sound excited. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me roll up my sleeves really quick. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> is he done blow-drying his hair? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read off of the GameSpot article just because, well, I don't, really don't read GameSpot, and I might as well give them a little bit of attention because they actually wrote a pretty good story on this. So... During a 45-minute presentation at the Deutsche Bank Securities Technology Conference in San Francisco, Bobby Kotick just let loose with a just a flurry of asshole comments. And <laughs> here's one of them. He goes, you have uh, studio heads who five years ago didn't know the difference between a balance sheet and a bed sheet. We're now arguing allocations in our CFO's office pretty regularly. So he's saying, like, yeah, you know what? I taught these people business. I brought the business in, Activision. Oh, yeah, good for you. Who gives a shit, dude? And he goes, uh, we have a real culture of thrift. The goal that I had bringing a lot of the packaged goods uh, into Activision about 10 years ago is to take all the fun out of making video games. That line, that line alone, like, I wanted to take the fun out of making video games. Well, I can understand 
from a certain point of view because a lot of people didn't have profits in mind. They're just like, well, it's gonna, let's make a cool game. And they didn't think about that. Like everyone should think about the business end. How is this going to make us money? Because inevitably that's how they can continue to make good games. But he's just coming out with more stupid terminology and showing that he doesn't give a fuck about gamers or game designers. And then he goes, said, uh, he tried to instill into the company culture skepticism. I can't talk today. Pessimism and fear. And he said, we are very good at keeping people focused on the deep depression. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He said he wanted to bring Guitar Hero away from the consoles. And you know what? He, He might actually be right about that. Yeah, it might not need a console these days. And plus, Bobo is sitting there thinking like, oh, Microsoft is... and." Sony are getting a little bit of the money for each song download. Why can't we just get all the profit from Guitar Hero song downloads? Mm. So, I mean, realistically though, that one's not so bad because that one's not they, so bad. They're already selling all the peripherals. Why not just put a little uh, processing power within the base of the drum kit or something and hook that directly up to your TV? It's been done with other things before, but that other stuff he was saying. It's not cool. What a big, I understand the business end of it, but and this and this works with any job. If you're not having fun at your job, if you're not enjoying your job, then the, the end product is not going to be what you originally set it out to be. If you go in thinking, "Wow, this really sucks. I have to make this game. This is bullshit," then you're not going to concentrate on what you wanted to do to the game to make it fun. Instead, you're going to get it done as soon as possible. It's human nature. And then be done with it because because you don't like it. Um, yeah. And that having said that, when you think about Activision's fall lineup, this fall and holiday season, every major release that comes to mind is coming with some kind of bullshit item that people will pay top dollar for. Tony Hawk Ride, skateboard. Right. Guitar Hero, the guitar. Band Hero, the full band. DJ Hero, the the turntable and the stand, even Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. You know some people splurged on those night vision goggles, like myself. <laughs> but it's almost as if they're, they're just putting as much extra crap into people's living rooms just to fill their own pockets faster and faster. Eventually, and if it, especially if it keeps making douchey comments like this, people are just going to say, you know what, Activision? Screw you, I'm done, and that'll be the end of it. Right. I mean, right now, I'm pretty much going to say that I'm not going to buy Activision products. Are you not getting Modern Warfare 2, or you want to support Infinity Ward? No, I I don't think Modern Warfare 1 was that good anyway, so I'm not getting that. Oh, okay. I'm a very competitive guy, and I don't really like simplistic gameplay like Call of Duty. So, yeah. I can get on a soapbox about that. (laughs) <laughs> to me, Halo is more the the balanced and, I don't know, competitive first-person shooter gameplay rather than Call of Duty's. Someone's hit, shooting at me. Do I run around the corner or do I take the hits and then shoot at them? You know, that's about all you can do with Call of Duty. So, But as for Bobby Kotick, though, he had that recent uh, shareholders meeting where he did say that he wanted to raise the price of Call of Duty. And they were like, well, I would no. like to raise it, you know, up to $80 if I could. Of course, I'd like to raise it to $300 if I could sell it. Yeah. If they're going to buy it, right? 
No amount of money in the world qualifies you to be an asshole, Bobby Kotick. Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> Leave us alone. Leave the gaming industry alone. You've done what you need to do. Just shut your mouth and make games, will you? And another perfect example of Activision being becoming more about themselves than anybody else, this whole Kurt Cobain issue, speaking of Guitar Hero. <laughs> um, take him the hell out. <laughs> Or just leave him from his own songs. It's so damn creepy. <laughs> Seeing Kurt Cobain singing like Children of Bodom. No. That's, no. <laughs> uh. like, like Gabe Newell said, people are smart. Yeah. They, they are, they're onto the Activision shit. So. We. We are onto the Activision shit. We. Um, if you rent from Blockbuster, they're closing 960 stores. So make sure one of them's not yours. Uh, oh, that, would, that would be my tip of the day. Excellent. Pro That's tip. a long time coming. How the hell did they last this long? I don't know. And pretty soon everything's um, going to be rental via mail order service and then digital. Including your women. Wait, you can still, you can always get that. <laughs> <laughs> mail order or digital? Both. Both. <laughs> Didn't you read the article last week about how, uh, the adult film industry is pushing to get their uh, movies on the PlayStation Store. Oh wow! Well, I guess, I guess, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean, as they'll long be age gated. Yeah, as long as they're age gated and, and parental controlled, whatever. Yeah, well, the the simple fact of the matter is, this is not a bunch of children's toys only. Not, I mean, not anymore. Plenty of adults play video games, so there should be adult content. Average age of the gamers, 36. Oh, it went up a year. Nice. Yeah. Well, it does every year. So. Yeah, that's because we're all growing up. No, well, that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's like, oh, it went up a year. Well, it, that was from last year. But uh, I have one more. Um, so did you guys see what happened with Batman Arkham Asylum late last week? The PC version? No. No. Okay, so, you know, games are these PC versions of these games... They get leaked all the time. And, you know, the PC kids are playing the game before it comes out. And then they're on the official forums like, can I have some help here? I don't know how to get past this part. And you can, I mean, sometimes the, the companies do it. And then they're like, so oh, dumb. I can help you out, I guess. Well, <laughs> Rocksteady actually, like, put in some gameplay mechanics or uh, some uh, bugs into the game intentionally so that if it did leak, or maybe they leaked it themselves, that like you can't get past these parts. So you, one, of, one in particular is a part where like you try and grapple over this pit that is poisoned over it, and you won't like grapple over You'll just like fall into the pit and die. <laughs> oh, so it's like they release a demo, but instead of getting a nice little screen that says, thanks for playing, please buy the game when it releases on whatever date. It's just, you're dead and can't keep playing, we're just going to frustrate you till you quit. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And, uh, Makes sense to I, me. I wrote, it's really funny what the uh, Rock City guy said in the forum. The guy goes, or here's what the initial question from Cheshire Cat on the forum said. He goes, hi. I've got a problem. When it's time to use Batman to glide in the game, when I hold space, like it said, to jump from one platform to another, Batman tries to open his wings again and again instead of gliding. So he falls down in a poisoning gas. If somebody could tell T-E-L, what, what should I do there? Less than 15 minutes later, this other guy named Henke123 said, try buying the game. There's no poison gas in the demo, and the, gas, and the game has not been released on a PC yet. And then this uh, 
guy from IDOS or Rocksteady said, uh, what Hanky said. The problem you have encountered is a hook in the copy protection to catch out people who try and download crack versions of the game for free. Now, here's my favorite line in the whole thing. It's not in the, a bug in the game's code. It's a bug in your moral code. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was like the highlight of my week. That is good. And that actually brings us to our main topic. Different distribution methods for video games. So that, that sort of ties in, because technically that's a distribution method. Basically, we want to talk about the retail avenues, resale, and digital distribution of video games, and the implications of each First thing I want to ask you guys is, how do you buy your games? Do you typically go to the store, pay retail costs, get a brand new game, do the pre-orders and all that stuff? Do you buy them used for a lower price and a possibly damaged disc? Or do you buy most of your games digitally via Steam or whatever other service they have out there? Uh, Well... I usually get them new. I don't buy typically a whole lot of games because I don't really think most games are worth my money, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I'll rent maybe a few from Gamefly. Lately, I've been buying just about everything digitally. Uh, I bought Osmos on Steam. I have a fairly large list of titles that I purchased on Steam. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the deals that Direct2Drive is offering right now, but they have a bunch of $5 games like Saints Row 2, uh, Chronicles of Riddick, Dark Athena for five bucks, um, and a few others. And I, I purchased a few on there, but uh, what I, I don't like their their distribution method for it. So unlike Steam, where you can you know just kind of download parts of a game whenever you want, and then you can pause and resume and all that stuff. On Direct to Drive, it's just like one big fat nine gigabyte download. And I've had tw- I had it twice now where I got like disconnected from the internet. Or some stupid Comcastic service, <laughs> and yeah, so I had to re-download about seven gigs of Dark Athena twice now. So right, because Direct to Drive is essentially a normal browser-based download as opposed to its own standalone download manager. Yeah, it'd be awesome if it was its own standalone thing like this, but it's just stupid, and it's astonishing that it's lasted five years with that. So mm-hmm. it got there early. People yeah, subscribe exactly. to that. Yeah. And I get most of my games on, on 360 and PlayStation 3. and I would buy just about everything that's in the... Uh, if Microsoft offered the what was it, digital, digital download service or game, games on demand. If my hard drive wasn't already full to the last little megabytes, I would download everything on there. <laughs> awesome. So you are definitely into doing things... From home, basically. Getting all your games shipped to you, getting your games downloaded directly to your console. Is it a convenience thing? Totally. Well, yeah, it's a convenience thing. Uh, I've been sold since, uh, my, uh, was it Valve did it with Half-Life 2? You know, right. I, I, I could get it 12.01 as soon as it was released, whereas, you know, everyone else had to go out and buy it at a store, but that was Half-Life and no one was being launched for it, so yeah. everyone had to wait until, what, 8, 9 in the morning? Sorry. Sold in that day. Right, plus a lot of times you have uh, pre-downloads, so you're almost complete 
by the time it's released, and then the minute it releases, you get the last few megabytes, and you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, basically the, the license key to play it, and you're good, so... I just don't see uh, with an in-store distribution being viable in five years. I mean, it's, it's not really that viable now, considering you have all these advantages over di- on digital, so... Right. Yeah, was it what's the guy's name? Jack Trenton. Yeah, twenty. <laughs> what do you say? Twenty twenty one is when like digital distribution is going to become big. Wow. He was a little late on that. Yep. So how about you, Jason? You actually work I, uh, at GameStop. Yeah, so this is a bit I'm of a biased, biased conversation for me. Um, I I buy from retail stores, believe it or not. <laughs> um, but then again, I get a bit of a discount, so it's a uh, motherfucker. Yeah, well, it happens. But I think, though, if I was a piece... I'm not... I have been console my entire life. Not because I don't like PC gaming, but because I never had a PC good enough to game with. Mm-hmm. So because of that, if I was a PC gamer, I'd probably be all about the digital downloads. I've used Steam. I've downloaded games from Steam. But at the same time, I'm going to buy a game and have a hard copy of it for 360 before I use their games on demand service. Reason being, a game like Mass Effect, for example, they sell on there for $30, and in the store it's 15 So I can mm. save $15 and have a hard copy or pay 15 extra bucks for the convenience. To me, because I guess because I don't have the PC background, um, digital is a bit of an afterthought for me. But then again... I buy a ton of games off the arcade. I buy, I've buy. i bought games off the PlayStation Network. I've bought games off of WiiWare, and that technically is digital download. So right. I suppose I would do both. I will buy a game new only if I know that I really want it, and if I really want it, I'll pre-order it. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure I have one. There are games that I can wait on, until the price drops a little bit, until they come in used. But mostly, if it's a game I really know that I'm going to play the hell out of, I will get it first day in my store or whatever store is near me. Now that that said, I'm not like the, I'm not an idiot. I know that digital, the digital download is very popular. Steam, Direct to Drive, what have you. GameStop's trying their own go digital thing, but uh, I haven't tried it yet, so I don't know how well it's working. Always been, the, but then I've always been the kind of guy that likes to go to the store, talk to the employees, buy the game, get out. I've never had a store where I went in there and everyone was a jerk. I know a lot of people complain about that. I've never been to a store where they just don't talk to you. I've always had good experiences in game stores, so I guess that's partly why I wanted to work for them because mm-hmm. I knew I knew I could do that, and I guess that's partly why I aim towards buying games in store because I never had the experience where I was like, wow, that guy was a complete fuckbag. I never want to go there again. But I wouldn't call GameStop employees that I've met throughout my life fuckwads or anything like that, but they've mostly been pretty incompetent. So I can't really say that I like going into the store and talking with them. It's because you haven't seen me. Like, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I used to live in it's a very small area, but I'd go to, like, a bigger city to go there. And as a kid, I always knew more about the games coming up and the people that work there 
and I knew more about like the review scores and stuff, and they were like trying to sell me, you know, like Tail Fang on the Xbox. I was like, no, <laughs> seriously. He's like, got a good review on IGN. Or, <laughs> as a kid, I was like, well, did you see all their exclusive content? You know, did you did you see all this shit? <gasps> That's funny. Yeah. I make it. I yeah, make I've, it. I've seen both. I've seen really good GameStop employees who know pretty much everything they're talking about, and some who don't know the first thing about gaming. It's just a job, you know, to some people. Right. The problem oh. is the people who don't know about a certain topic won't admit it. Oh, they yeah. don't. They don't have. They can't. They. They don't have the balls to say, "I'm sorry." Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot about that game. There might be another employee that can help you better with that, but I yeah. just don't know. Because mm-hmm. there. Are- I think it's a it's a part of nerd culture. Like, we love information, and right. we think you know we pick up everything. So. Even if we don't, we have to kind of shoot from the hip and see if we can actually, like, penangle uh, some kind of response out of there that will satisfy that person. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the truth. Customers love the truth. If you yeah. say, oh, that game's not very good, or if you say, I'm sorry, I really don't know that much about it, they won't judge you. They won't. If anything, they'll just be like, oh, well, is there any anything you can tell me about it based on what you know? And then I'll do that. I really don't. Never had a problem with retail. I guess that's that's just me. I think one problem with GameStop employees is that they're encouraged by management not to shoot people down on games that they're about to buy unless they have a another alternative for them. And sometimes they may not, so they just sort of resist the urge to say, "Oh, that game's terrible." I yeah. That's definitely true. Also, um, like reservations and subscriptions and all that. There's yeah. a lot. Go- there's a lot going through a game store employee's head when every time a customer comes up. So if he seems a little too focused, let's say, that's because especially if they're brand new, they're like, "Oh my god, I have to get the reserves and the subs. I have to upsell this. I have to make sure they know about our trade deal." There's a lot of information to handle. I- I've got a story I want to share. Okay. Uh oh. So I moved to a new area in, in the Twin Cities, and I, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to this GameStop now." This is like two or three years ago. And I'm not gonna say which one it is in case anyone listening is from Minneapolis. And I don't want them to be like, you know, going to a specific place and be like, "Huh, that guy's a fucking tool." <laughs> so I went there, and uh, I was looking at the games and stuff, and they're like, "Well, hi, do you want to get like this Activision title?" I'm like, "No, no, no, I don't like Activision." I mean, this is like a few years ago. After I worked at Activision, I still didn't really like the company because of what they had, what they were doing at the time. This is a never-ending, undying vendetta against Activision. Activision. And it's it's really, honest to God, not based because I was uh, an employee there and I'm like all disgruntled and shit. It's just because of Bobby Kodak. They made like good games and had a good attitude. I love the company, you know, like regardless of my past employment. But um, so I went to this GameStop. And I was like, you know, talking about Activision and stuff, and the guy's like, well, I was once employed by Activision. He's like, I was employed by a lot of companies in the industry. And <laughs> I, I actually, looking at the guy at the time, I was just kind of like looking at the games in the wall, I'm like, oh. I look over, I swear to Christ, he's like uh, Dwight's brother. You know, like Dwight from The Office? Yeah. He looks like Wayne <laughs> Wilson. And he, his attitude, like his, his body features, and like just his entire demeanor, like fit that that role like he could be on that show as that person and 
I mean, long story short, uh, he he was talking about how he's a white hat, and that he's you know he he searches out uh, hackers, and he he worked for the government at one point to do all this stuff, but now now they just kind of you know call me when when they need really help uh, help against the best ones, so I don't do it that much anymore. <laughs> Against the best ones. And, and was he twelve? I mean, no, really. This guy's like probably like early thirties, mid thirties at least. That is definitely preteen logic and behavior pattern. Yeah, seriously. And, and he, just, he just brought all this shit up, and I was like, man, I just want to like put five dollars down for my game. <laughs> and he was talking about all this stuff, and and then like someone behind me is some lady I don't know, like you know, choking on a chicken bone or some shit. She's pretty damn big. <laughs> And she's, wa- she's walking by behind me, and she was, like, coughing and shit. And the guy's like, ma'am, are you okay? And she's like, <coughs> yeah, I'm fine, I'll be all right. And he's like, okay, because if, if, if you're, you're not okay and if you fall to the ground, I, it, I am bound by law to help you. And I'm like, what? What is wrong? And then he, he, I mean, he's Wait. probably trained in CPR because. Well, uh, yeah, he, he actually he, he he took out his wallet, which he has on his uh, on a necklace, and he like oh. his, his, his shirt was really tight, so he's like reaching down his tight shirt and bringing up this wallet, and like right away he grabs it and like it shows his ID, and he goes, "I'm a I'm a military medic. I have to help you out." What the fuck? That's awesome. See, shit like that gives the rest of us a bad name. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, That's... granted, he wants to be helpful, but... He doesn't have to announce it, like, I am yeah. Superman! <laughs> <laughs> this guy was just fucking amazing. So, like, th- later that day, I-, I-, I told my girlfriend, like, we have to go to GameStop later. Like, well, we'll, I think it was actually when she wanted, like, pre-order Lich King or something. So, I was like, well, let's- we're going to pre-order Lich King tonight. It's gonna be- She's like, I already pre-ordered this other one. We're going to remove that money. <laughs> Just to go awesome. see this guy. <laughs> yeah, and so I, like, I like you know, put $5 down. He's like, oh, you already pre-ordered it today. I'm like, oh, I was pre-ordering for my girlfriend. Good move, good move, because we already have 37 pre-orders, and if you don't get it, you won't be playing Lich King that night. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You walk out, and my girlfriend's just laughing her ass off. So now, do you think because of experiences like that, or just any other reason, maybe wanting more convenience in the way you buy games and stuff, do you think there's been a significant shift from retail to uh, other means of game acquisition, like to download only, maybe things that aren't in-store? Do you think it's been a, a big shift or a moderate shift? What do you think? Well, do you, I, mean- I think... I think- to the, the, the average uh, consumer, there's two things that matter most. It's convenience and value. Mm-hmm. And if those override the in-store experience, it, it, it's not too hard for it to do that because most people aren't, they don't care about that. They like to buy their product and they like to get it out. You know, like you, you can talk about the hardcore and how we like to go in to these places. Like maybe we like to go into an independent bookstore and do all that. Well, that's fine for like independent bookstores because they're, they're appealing to the very, very specific markets and the dedicated markets as well. But as far as like GameStop consumers, in my opinion, I mean, you, you might have a different idea as a GameStop employee, but I just get the feeling that they don't care. They want their product. They want it now. They want 
people go in stores to get it because, well, they get that additional CD, they get the instruction booklet and stuff at the same price online. So. Mm-hmm. What about your average, uh, maybe less tech-savvy, less knowledgeable consumer who knows the retail process but may not be as familiar with digital download services? Do you think that is still a, a, a very significant chunk of the game-buying public? Or do you think many more people are becoming acclimated to the uh, download process? I think it would depend on the type of person that you're talking about here. Um, a, a mother with her two kids is not, exactly. going to, is not going to shop online because her kids, A, can't be involved in it, and B, her kids won't have anything in front of them to look at. So they'll go into a GameStop or a Game Crazy or whatever and pick up the cases, look at them, and then put them back not in alphabetical order. <laughs> that, that's, a, that, that, that's my own pet peeve. Um and that way they have something to hold in their hands. I've noticed that a lot of customers love holding things. If they hold it, they make it seem like it's theirs. And if it's theirs, they will buy it. So that case on the wall, I can touch it, which means if I take it up there, he'll give me one of these. I'll pay him the money, and it's mine. Mm-hmm. It's that ownership that makes retail still strong now a whole different conversation a whole different addendum to this conversation i mean is new versus pre-owned that would just be um whether or not you care about a little a couple of dings in your in your disc there i've seen people who say as long as it plays i'll buy used and if it doesn't play i'll bring it back and get one that does play i've seen people who don't trust used i've seen Everything in between. It just depends. Each person, which is, you know, this sounds so cliche, but every person is different. Um, you're going to have the parents who like to come in and see what their kids are doing. You're going to have the kids who play PC games and don't like to leave their house. And then they're going to download the games because it's that much more convenient for them. It's it's just, it's at the point now where the two of them are almost equal. I don't want to say they're equal, but it's very close because there are just I think there are just as many people who would go into a store and get the game they're looking for as there are people who if the convenience was there would just download it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that as the market is shifting as it's been over recent years uh, especially, you might expect more people to be going into stores because they're for lack of a better term, amateur game buyers. So that sort of experience helps them. Like you said, the mothers, the just people who are new to gaming. But then also you have a lot of casual gamers who go to specifically designed websites and purchase very simple games right there on the spot. So it's interesting that the same shift in the gaming public leads to opposite types of game acquisition. Totally agree. I think we also need to consider um, the way in which uh, Americans purchase products. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this recent news item, but um, Walmart said that they were no longer going to give people uh, paper checks for working there. But um, they were saying that in the article, I think it was only 27% or 27% or 30% of Walmart employees don't have a bank account. Mm -hmm. So... 
if you if you factor that in, I mean, I'm not saying like the Walmart buying base are big gamers, or, or Walmart employees are big gamers, but not everyone has a bank account, and so there's a lot of people out there who might not be able to buy games on Steam for the sole fact that they don't have any method to purchase them. You know? I mean, wow. You could say that maybe you know they don't have, if they have a computer, you know, you know, or if they don't have a bank account, they probably don't have a computer, but we don't know. We don't know these facts. So you have to take it into consideration that that might be a reason that digital downloads have not taken off as much as they could because people simply don't have any way to buy it. And for Xbox Live right now, you have those download cards you can buy in stores. You don't have that for Steam. You don't have that for direct to drive and right. So um, I think, and you see a lot of MMO companies because you know I work at a, a MMO Life with uh, Brendan that a lot of these companies are trying to get cards into stores so people can buy the card and then buy the in-game items using those points. And whenever a company does that, they see a significant rise in uh, how much each player is spending online. So there could be a connection there with the whole bank account thing. I don't right. know if that's exactly why, but it, it's you just have these signs that point to in-stores is still a vital part of it, as much as I hate to say it. Right. That's that's funny. I mean, aside from the number that you just quoted, the percentage of people not having bank accounts, which I am surprised at, but maybe I shouldn't be, the in-store thing is interesting because what's one of the few MMOs that actually offers in-store subscription cards? That would be World of Warcraft, and look at their success compared to others. Well, I think yeah, exactly. A lot more are starting to do that now. Uh, Champions Online sells cards in store. Um, pretty sure that Aeon's going to be doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all about, I guess, access. Like you mentioned, the uh, the bank account issue or the liking going into malls issue. It's all about how consumers wish to access that which they want to buy. If they just want to click on something and have it pop up and they'll download it. If they want to put a disc in and push it in and get that satisfaction, that's what they'll do. Some games you have to download online, like Shadow Complex. I would recommend that to everyone, but you have to download it on Xbox Live, and not everyone has Xbox Live. Mm. So they're going to miss out on a game like that, which, in effect, lessens its consumer base. Right, yeah, that's another thing. is If you have customers who have to pay for your online service, and that's the only way they can get the game, then you're going to have fewer sales as a result. So it's right. got to be a, an easily accessible service as well. Um, but one thing I was going to say about the in-store cards is that really looks like support for the standpoint that retail gaming isn't going away. And that brought to mind the Grand Theft Auto 4 DLC, which is normally a download-only product, but they put a download card in GameStop stores just for those people who preferred to go into the store and get it that way, when really uh, all it was was a code to download it anyway. Fallout 3 did the same thing, but Fallout 3 were actually physical disks. You put the disk in, you downloaded it to your hard drive, and then you put your Fallout 3 disk in and played the downloadable content. Well, they did both, actually. There There was one, if it was just... Like, just Point Lookout came out by itself, it was a card. Just Mother Sibzana came out, it was a card. But then they also had two CDs. One was Operation Anchorage in the Pit on one CD. The other one was Broken Steel and Point Lookout again on another one. And they were discs. 
I guess mm-hmm. maybe because of size constraint or whatever. But um, I found that a lot of people who played Fallout and didn't have Xbox Live ate that up because right. they weren't online and they were still able to get their, their expansions. That even though some people, like myself, are waiting for the Game of the Year edition in October. There's no point for us to download that stuff now because on a disc, for the same price that it was last year when it released, I'll have the full game plus all of the five downloadable episodes. All right. in one convenient yeah. place. How many days after is it? They just recently announced the dates for the Fallout 3 PS3 downloadable content. The last one comes out on October 8th. Five right. days later, the Game of the Year edition Fallout comes out. It's either the 13th or the 20th of October. It uh, eludes me right now. But I think it's the 13th, but whatever. Um, the fact that the downloadable content is finally accessible to the Fallout 3 people for PS3 Fallout 3 people, and then five days later, the entire game comes with all of it. It just seems it just seems like that's going to hurt the digital sales because then people can just say, hey, the whole package, give me that, and that'll be the end of it. At retail. At retail, no less. Yeah. Um, now, to, to go in another direction, uh, we only touched on pre-owned sales, but that's been a big issue as of late. There's been a lot of discussion about pre-owned sales hurting the video game companies because they don't make any money off of games that people buy from the retailer the second, third, and fourth time. So do you think think that that's a big issue? To come and talk about this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. He's one of the most outspoken. What what are your thoughts? I, I really don't know the the numbers end of it, so I can't really say. Uh, I'd like to think that GameStop is hurting them because that's just what it indicates. I mean, uh, they purchased the game from the distributor. They pay a fee for that game. Joe Blow comes in and buys that game, and then they trade it in, and then they're still making... GameStop makes all this uh, continual money from this one game so it makes sense that you know GameStop would be the one making you know the most money out of this deal so if publishers want to cut out GameStop go for it I don't have a problem with that and digital is a way to do that yeah exactly I mean Valve has continually shown ways to distribute your game and to keep on making money uh, from it long after the typical eight-month drastic decline in sales. Just use Valve for a blueprint, bam, you're done. Yeah, they have done it very well. The problem, the only problem with that is if they decided to start cutting out a retailer like GameStop, and I'm not saying this because I work for them, I'm saying this is as objective as possible, you then lose the the mother with their kids demographic who doesn't have the ability to download games strictly you lose all the people who don't have the internet that's a ton of business that you're losing because you'd be surprised how many people come up in front of me and say i don't have xbox live i don't use the internet i just play games alone when i have time so to cut out a retailer like that would be a a nice size dent i would think in their profit margin oh yeah it's not really that happened yet do you think it's a valid concern or a reasonable request for 
not just GameStop, but any company who operates in a pre-owned environment as well as retail to curb the pre-owned end of the business in order to do right by the people who are actually making the games? Or do you think that the pre-owned aspect of the company and the business is helpful to the gamers, at least, because they're getting basically the same product and the same exact experience, but for a lesser cost? Do you think that it's unreasonable for the companies to say that this is an issue? No, not at all. No, absolutely not. It it is an issue. What has to happen here is... GameStop has to be, or whoever sells used games, has to finally say, you know what, fine, we're making more than enough profit, we'll be okay, here's a little bit extra to the developer for the used game sales. That's one thing I cannot stand about the company that I work for, that they are money hoarding, not not to the level of Bobby Douchebag Kodak, but... (laughs) Used games have shown that they can be profitable, but it's time for the developers to get a piece of it because the only thing developers will do with that extra money is make better games, which will then boost retail sales new and used because those better games will come out and people will buy them. It's a cycle, and it's a cycle that needs to start happening. A company, a retail company like that is hurting the industry in a way that it doesn't even realize. The problem is... Places that sell used games, that's where 60% of their profit comes from. So they're not as willing to share that pie with the people who make the games that they're profiting off of, which is not not good. I don't don't necessarily agree with that. I think what we need to do is look at Apple. Apple is one of the strongest forces in gaming right now. And it's only going to grow because they figured out, I mean, they're taking advantage of the recession. Oh, not advantage. That makes it sound bad. But they know what they're doing in the recession. They're having all these games that cost a dollar, two dollars. Because if you price something at a dollar and two dollars, you're going to hit a wider market. And the reason, one of the reasons why they price games so high is that they're always trying to make up for cost. It's always about return investment, you know. Mm-hmm. A certain number of people are going to buy your game, so you price it accordingly. If, if you only if you believe that a small dedicated base is going to buy your game, you charge seventy, eighty bucks for it. But if you're trying for mass appeal and mass sales, you, you price low. So that's what the iPod and uh, Apple have really you know succeeded on. So we need to look at that model because soon that's going to overtake a lot of the industry, and we need to look at that very much to kind of remodel our entire business from the ground up. All right. But a lot of it, a lot of it is uh, fear based because if you're spending all of this money to create highly technologically advanced games, then you don't want to take the risk of not reaching your sales goals. Um, well, yeah. We're, we're seeing exactly what happened to the music industry. This, these last 10, 20 years there, were, you know, they wouldn't make, There'd be a couple of bands that music companies would put basically everything into, and they would shove it down people's throats, and people would like it. Just right. That's what they did. But now what we're seeing is people have more options available to them. The music industry actually isn't doing that bad. It's just more wealth is being spread uh, around 
more people because the internet and MySpace and everything champions the indie community. You don't have to like what's on the radio anymore. I mean, if you look back in the days of the Beatles, you know, there were many bands that were big back then as compared to today. And I, I'd say big as, you know, making money or, you know, you, that you have available to you. So we're, we need to go to that business model. We're still stuck in the old model of big blockbuster games, but there's no reason why we can't go to what the music industry is going through now and have smaller budgets, more games that pertain to people's particular tastes and stuff like that. So the whole industry is just, it's shooting itself in the foot. I want to say face, but it's not quite there yet. It's, it's close. My argument to that would be you can't possibly tell me that you you would have the same type of fulfilling gaming experience with a with a $2 iPod touch game that you would with a $50 360 game with a vibrant story and symphonic orchestra and all of that stuff, the graphics, all of it. Maybe it, not, it, but, it, but I did get my, – my favorite game of the year so far is Flower. And I'd say Osmos, the downloadable title on Steam – which is for 10 bucks is in my top 10 as well. And last year, Braid was one of my top games. And these are all games. Frap, don't mention Braid. Eddie, don't listen. He didn't mention Braid. It's okay. <laughs> we all know how I feel about Braid. <laughs> um, but you see what I mean? Like, uh, the iPod is maybe a little too extreme one way for the industry to handle right now. But... But there's no reason why we can't, why the average price of a game can't be ten dollars. We can adjust accordingly, you know. Mm-hmm. And if and if that? companies were making money off of pre-owned sales, that would help them even further to reach that goal of a lower yeah. lower price point for the consumer. So while the retailers will say that pre-owned games give uh, consumers more options and better value, really to break the cycle of pre-owned sales and profits going only to retail would be to create an entirely new video game sales atmosphere where video games could just be less to begin with. Yeah, people won't trade in a $10 game if they get like $2 back for it. Well, maybe they will still. I guess people still do that game stuff, but they're less likely to, you know? And because mm-hmm. they might want to relive that experience, and then you kind of support that game. I mean, we're seeing people do that today with Fallout. You support that $10 game through, you know, a couple of packs here and there, or you keep adding to that $10 game. Maybe you buy the base model for $10, and then from there on, you, you know, a la carte it. You, you buy the game that you want. You're like, you buy the basic rock band game for 10 bucks if you want, and then you can add drum songs, whatever you want, through digital, con- digital download. We're looking at very, very ancient ways of distribution right now, and the video game industry doesn't need to play by those, those rules at all because it's its own thing. It's, it's We experience games very different from how we experience movies. Well, we, we can experience games different from how we experience movies and, and books and music, so why shouldn't we have a different model to support that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. I just... I. I... I like the fact that games are becoming closer and closer to movies as far as entertainment value, um, and that's expensive. I don't think $10 a game would cover the cost and be able to profit on a game like Mass Effect, which I I know I harp on a lot. But I will say that the games, the average price of games should drop $10. There's no reason they should be 60 bucks. 50 is yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. 50 worked on We can have our Mass Effect. 
Yeah, every game doesn't need to be priced the same either. You know, it could be a, a sliding scale that is a, a little bit more flexible than we see now. Right now, we see some games are $60, some are 20 but you don't hit a lot of those intermediate values that you could technically use. Like, I could sell a game for, what, $17 or $34, you know? Right. Like, why does it have to be these particular points? I agree with that, but unfortunately, as far as um, the environment in a store, for example, being behind the counter, if a game launches for less than the norm, if a game launches for, say, 40 Yes, if it launches for 40 on 360 as opposed to 60, people will be like, wow, this came out at 40 bucks. It's probably not worth my time, and then it doesn't sell. Right, well, so, that's, exactly. that's conditioning, though. I mean, that's the point, is if there's yeah. an entirely new model for sales in this industry, then that wouldn't be the thought process of your consumer. It would be, oh, this is a... $30 game as opposed to a $60 game. Let's check it out. Let's see what it has, you would, know, what it I is. Abs- I absolutely agree with you, but um, the only thing I think that will get as, it's even close to that, and, and this isn't even a long shot, is what I was saying earlier. Make the average price of games 50 instead of 60 Drop everything 10 bucks. It worked last generation. There's no reason it should be 60 bucks now. Um, but the sliding scale, I would, I would love that. I would love that some games would be 20, some games would be 60, and everything in between. I would love it, because then there would be games that I could afford more often. But unfortunately, I just don't see that kind of model happening, which sucks. So right now, one of the biggest problems are the consumers themselves. And yes. their, their stigmas. Well, the thing is, I, I think that stigma is only in... Well, not only, but it, it pertains more to in-store than it does to online. Because, or I maybe agree. it's the the consumer groups and and there right. if you want to call it tribes that they go with or which who goes on Steam you know and who goes on Direct Drive and stuff like that so but uh, back to what you're saying about Mass Effect though like there's no reason why we can't have our Mass Effect and our I'm not, I don't want to compare Mass Effect and Transformers too but in terms of like budget I mean they're both like big budget uh, pieces of yeah. media you know like oh, sure. a lot of time with but I just think that like we we also need to focus on smaller titles, like I don't know if you guys have watched the Jay Leno show, have you? No, I don't watch Jay Leno. It's fucking terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's uh, from first night to second night, it lost seven million viewers. But what ABC or NBC was saying that you know, or they didn't actually say it, but they're implying this on their in one of their press releases, but. The Jay Leno show doesn't cost as much to produce as much as like a hit TV series. Right. So they're looking at the the return on investment here. But if Jay Leno is the lowest rated show of that time, but he still brings in a lot of ad revenue and stuff, it's still a success for them because right now uh, the return on investment is far more important than being the number one leader. You know. Right. So we got to look at that games like, you know, you want to make a big multi-million dollar big budget game and then possibly get back many more millions if you are a big success you know and and like bionic commando i saw that for 360 and i'm playing it right now a little bit but uh it seems like you know a good amount of money went into this but it's not that great of a game but it seems like it was a good idea to you know remake bionic commandos a, you know a, a big platformer and all this stuff but maybe they should have looked back and said okay 
are we going to get the risk return on investment? Is this too risky? Are we appealing to too much of a hardcore market? You know, that's where Bobby Kotick is right, and that's why he should be at least a little respected because he did he is really good at acquisition, bringing in the profits. He's not so good about new IPs, but if Bobby Kotick could use his powers for good, I think the industry would be rocking. <laughs> use his powers for good. He's a super <laughs> villain right now. He is a super villain. He, he shoots red lightning instead of blue lightning. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that's true. It's like selling a, a cup of coffee that costs you 10 cents to make for $2 as opposed to selling it a, a really fancy brew for $8 that costs you $7 to make. You want yeah, to exactly. get the most back for what you what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And they just have to think about that a little bit more maybe. We just need to find our bottled water of video games. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of times the focus is either on one end or the other. It's either about maximizing profits or creating something with passion rather than doing both at the same time. Exactly. And a lot of people are looking into franchises. That was the big thing a few years ago, like EA invested all that money into the Dead Space franchise. Right. And franchise. And so now they're like, well, you know, the first year really didn't pay off, but there were long-term investments that we're trying to make and, and pay off. Well, long-term investments may not exactly be the bad thing because when you say a long-term investment, you're saying that you are willing to accept losses until a certain point. In your projection, you say, by this time, if we haven't made profits, then this is a failure. Well, why can't you have that return on investment the first generation? You know, like, why can't you say it? We expect it because we, we looked at the market, we estimated all this stuff, and we think that's, I mean, sure, risk-reward and all that, and they're, they're going high on the risk and, and expecting high on the reward eventually, but does it really have to be that way? I mean, I know this is all easy to sit here and talk about as well, but... I don't know, it just seems like a lot of people aren't keeping costs in mind as much as they should. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess, to just to wrap up, what do you guys see as the future of video game distribution? Just your entire model of how video game distribution will work in the coming years or how it should work. It needs to be a marriage between the two. It cannot be all retail because digital cannot be ignored. But then again, it cannot be all digital because then you will alienate those who don't use the Internet all that much, can't afford the Internet even. If they don't have bank accounts, they're not affording the Internet either. Um, People still like going out of their house, going to a shopping mall, going to a department store, and holding things in their hands. So the best way right now, and I see it for at least the foreseeable future, is some kind of balance to where the digital customers are happy and the retail customers are happy. If they can find the perfect crossroads and make it work, then it could be a very successful model of business for many years, but if it's too heavy on one or too heavy on the other, then I think that it suffers a bit. Even if the retail store recommends the digital service, mm-hmm. like 
even if a digital store says, hey, did you hear about Steam or did you hear about Direct to Drive? Or even if that specific store has their own digital service, recommend them to that. Because that way you'll get the retail customers to think about the digital service. And that way it'll bring them closer together. But until until everyone on this earth is computer savvy enough that they could download their own games, which, if you haven't figured out yet, is never going to happen, then it has to be some kind of balance. Because digital is too big to ignore, yet too specialized to be the only method. I, I totally agree with that. I wish we could see the two get along a lot better. <laughs> because uh, I want the value to be the same. Mm. And when I buy a, a, a game on the PC for 50 bucks, uh, or digitally, and I buy a, a game in stores for 50 bucks, in a way, I almost feel like I'm getting ripped off by buying it online because you get the packaging, you get bonuses, you get pre-order bonuses, you get stuff like that. But lately, Steam has been doing a lot of bundle deals. Like you pre-order Red Faction Gorilla on the, the PC and you get Red Faction 1 and 2. And that was cool. I mean, the value of those combined is probably, what, five, ten bucks, I guess. But it wasn't really what I wanted, but it sure had that incentive to get it online, you know. Um, I don't know if you got anything for pre-ordering in the stores or not. You probably just got the, the box, the manual, and stuff like that. I don't care about the manual so much anymore, but it's more along the lines of pre-order bonuses that I get really pissed off about in store, like special maps that are only GameStop exclusive and stuff. And that needs to end, of course. Yeah, Especially I agree with that. So that, that that needs to end. The argument needs to end that it has to be one or the other. That needs to be done now because a hybrid model is the way it's going to be, whether you like it or not. And that's the way it should be. But we just got to make sure we're not, I don't know, pricing things where it doesn't make sense. So... Mm-hmm. I I definitely agree with you about those special incentives for pre-orders, like in-game items and things like that. I hate that. I think it's ridiculous. But what I think I would like to see is, I don't know, it, it may be difficult to implement, and I don't know if I can come up with something complete right now, but with however many consoles are online at the moment, they should be able to be tracked. And it would be interesting to see a model where going into a store, maybe you have some sort of console ID that is registered with retailers via Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo and all the publishers. And when you go into the store with your ID, which could theoretically just be your gamertag or your PSN ID, then they can see if you are connected, like if you have online capability or not, and then games can be simply sent to your console if you uh, want to buy them in store or you could buy them at home. I don't know if that's if that even so you're makes saying, sense. You're saying go to a store and buy a digital download. I'm saying that that could be a possibility. I think. I like it. I think if you can do. At all, if you can purchase a game in every possible way from every possible location, I think that would be cool. 
Maybe you could get a download key that stays with your account. Like they could have an online account listing all of your previously downloaded items, much like Steam, that you can download at any time and delete at any time to free up space on your hard drive. And you may also get a hard copy of the disc either shipped to you or if you buy it in store, you get both right there. And having a an entire network uh, that ties in all your online gaming and activity with your all your purchasing behavior, I think that could be a model that could marry the two and acclimate both types of customers to both types of distribution methods. It might be far-fetched and ridiculous and have no benefit, though, so that would be something that you have to consider. Monetarily, it may be it may be out of the realm of possibility because to do that you may need to go through more licensing and all that stuff that we don't pay attention to as gamers. But otherwise, I think it sounds like it could be cool. Um, I wanted to say that uh, uh, at first we didn't think that uh, Microsoft putting the broadband only thing on the original Xbox was a good idea because not a, that big of a market has that, or had that at the time. A lot of people were still on modems. But it ended up being one of the best uh, design choices of the original Xbox. Right. And so if more companies take a risk like that, like Microsoft did, and start incentivizing digital distribution like maybe it should be, uh, they might see a greater gain like that, you know? Because there's something about sitting at in your underwear at home and being like, well, I really want to play this game today. I'm just going to buy it. instead of Right now. No, seriously, there is something about that. I bought so many indie games from just doing that, you know? Yeah. If I were in the store, I'd probably, I probably wouldn't. Right. Instant so. gratification. Impulse buys. It's good for the industry. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if that's everything, then I thank you for coming on. Actually, one quick thing. I'm happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. The last, <laughs> the last podcast was the best podcast of all time. <laughs> oh, that was epic. You win, sir. Um, you have any uh, shout-outs or, or plugs you want to make, Kyle? <laughs> yes. Uh, my website, ludicdreams.com. That's L-U-D-I-C, dreams, D-R-E-A-M-S, ludicdreams.com. Go there. Awesome. And Jason, anything from you? Look for me, possibly, <laughs> as part of Escapist Magazine, issue 224. I was recently commissioned to write an article. I have submitted it to them, and I'm waiting further reply. I will let everyone know if they accepted me or not. Excellent. Oh, nice. I wish you luck. And uh, last thing is, versus note. Go uh, to everyone who listens, if you are a fan, please uh, take a moment and rate us on iTunes. Maybe write a brief description if you like us or hate us. Any kind of criticism is helpful. Check out GamerNode.com and GamerNode on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash GamerNode. And my personal Twitter is twitter.com slash ItalianBreadMan, where you'll hear very interesting things about my daily life on occasion. Uh, my personal Twitter is twitter.com slash bigmanfinelli. When I am not neglecting it, I happen to be on there talking about 
being a big man whose name is Finelli. <laughs> and Kyle's name on Twitter is www.twitter.com slash coyote gray. Don't ask what that means. And I guess that's it. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. And catch you later. Come together. for each of you yes yes swap central in here um, <laughs> oh. um oh let's type that into scribble knots <laughs> don't bring up a pizza <laughs> hold on mine's on sleep here we go here we go w-o-p what do we got oh misspelled did you mean workshop Okay, WAP is not in Scribble Knots. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it's only a one race at a time. <laughs>